Settle back into the awareness of your body posture. Simply know that you're sitting. Feeling the sense of the posture in its basic outline, in its places of contact. Could make an occasional note, mental note of sitting, help keep you connected to the awareness of the posture. Let the mind stay open, easy, relaxed, and alert. Grounded in the awareness of sitting, let the mind open to the mindfulness of sound. That same sense of ease and relaxation. Simply be aware of all the different sounds appearing and disappearing. <coughs> the louder and distinct sounds, the soft and subtle ones. The sound of silence. Staying grounded in the awareness of your sitting posture. The mind opening to different sounds as they come and go by themselves. Connecting with the feeling of each breath as it comes into the body and as it leaves. Breathing in, breathing out. Letting the breath find its own natural rhythm.
as you feel each breath entering and leaving the body, begin to notice where in the body you feel the movement of the breath most clearly. You feel the air passing the nostrils or the upper lip. You feel it in the movement of the chest or abdomen. You feel it in the entire movement of the breath. Wherever the breath is most distinct, most clear, let your attention come to rest at that place. Connecting with the very beginning of each breath at that place. And sustain your attention for the duration of just that breath. Connecting again with the beginning of the breath. Sustaining the attention for the next breath one at a time, with full attention to each.
If the mind is wandering, you can use a soft mental note of in and out, or rise and fall, with each breath, to support the mindfulness, to keep you connected. When you use the mental noting, keep it very soft, transparent, just enough to remind you what the object of attention is.
if there is a space or pause between the breaths, in that space become aware of your sitting posture until the next breath comes by itself. There's no tendency to rush or pull the next breath in. Stay with the awareness of sitting till the breath comes in its own natural rhythm.
Let your attention rest steadily and easily on each breath, just one at a time, using the soft note to help remind you of the object, connecting precisely at the beginning of each breath, and sustaining the attention for the duration of just that breath.
See how carefully you can feel just one breath. And then the next.
in the first days of the retreat, and that could mean the first few days, the first week, the first two weeks, I think it's helpful to give some major attention to working with the breath as a way of strengthening and deepening the concentration. Even though you're all old and experienced practitioners, just to come back to the most basic uh, exercise the Buddha taught, I think is uh, extremely valuable for establishing a good foundation. He spoke of how concentration is the basis for wisdom. So it's not that we necessarily have to develop some spectacular levels of concentration where you'll all be levitating up to the ceiling, but enough concentration so that the mind has some degree of stability. And on the basis of that, insight develops more easily. The beauty of a long retreat is that this time, this time to do this, you don't have to rush into the investigation aspect. You'll spend some time really settling in, feeling the breath, keeping it very natural, very simple, coming back. Uh, I think in the long run it will serve your practice very well. Do you have any questions so far about what your experience is or just questions about the practice? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If if you're dealing with strong, uh, painful sensations, which also is not uncommon, you know, in the beginning of the retreat, especially uh, because we just start feeling all of the accumulated tensions and tightness is, you know, that we bring. Um, I think you want to find a very uh, easy rhythm between the two with an emphasis to coming back to the breath, but not necessarily holding on to the breath so tightly in the face of pain that you're simply creating more tension. You know, so it's almost like a foreground background dance that you're with the breath and you might feel the pain in the background but there's still that strong intention to stay as close as you can to the feeling of the breath. And then if the painful sensations come into the foreground because they're becoming quite intense, just open to that briefly, feel it, then let the breath come back into the foreground again. So you work with it in a very gentle way, allowing for it to be there, uh, but not, not completely ignoring the breath. During that, so you're really keeping the thread of awareness, and that way, I think it'll all the sensations will begin. You'll create more space for them to be there. A lot of the uh, hard edge begins to soften a bit. Mm-hmm. 
whatever reason, if you've chosen to be with the breath at one place, and then for a breath or two you feel it someplace else, don't panic. Just be with it there for that breath or two, but then again come back, then again settle back. So when we talk about focusing on the breath and staying in one place, the implication is not that we get tight in doing it, but rather a relaxed steadiness, but that has space for some variation, because each breath will be different, even within one area. I mean, suppose you're watching the rising and falling. And this, this can be an interesting aspect to emphasize right from the beginning that each breath, even within one area, is completely different than the breath before. Either in duration, or maybe sometimes we feel a little higher, or a little lower, or texture. So we don't want to have a preconception about what each breath should feel like, or exactly where it should be, because that's getting too tight, it's too controlling. Even in letting the mind come to rest in an area, do it in an open way within that area and just see how each breath appears. As I said, if for a breath or two it comes back to the nose or to the other place, fine. Just be with that and then again come back. So we're with the breath with precision and exactness and also a light touch. You know, and that's, that's the art. Can I count? <laughs> there. You know, there there are many there are many tools of practice, and they're all tools. They're all skillful means. The noting is a skillful means. You know, of the in and out. The counting can be a skillful meaning. What I would suggest is. Uh, as your foundation practice, as your foundation supportive practice, develop the noting. And the reason I say that is because that can then be applied to every other object that arises, whereas the counting as a tool is really most effective with the breath because it's sequential. Of course, I have often used the, the counting successfully in being aware of the judging mind. But that, that's later in the week. <laughs> so
So be, be patient, and again, you're all, you know, you're, you're experienced practitioners. Come back to a real beginner's mind now. You know, you're entering into this. Give some attention to practicing, refining, using skillfully the light note. That having been said, there may be times when the mind is wandering a lot and even the noting of in and out and rising and falling, you're just not connecting. At that time, you could bring in the counting as an additional support for some period of time. You know, so you, you do it for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You know, and when the mind feels somewhat more concentrated or stable, again, come back to the feeling of the breath either with or without the noting, but perhaps using the noting at that time. You follow? So, so you can use different tools, but you don't want to get confused by it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 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 Sometimes uh, one variation of counting, which at times I felt found helpful, is counting backwards. You know, it just adds just enough mental challenge. One of the problems in the transmission of the Dharma to different cultures is always one of translation. Uh, And so different people will use different words as a translation uh, of various Pali-Sanskrit terms. So that's where you begin to get wide variation. Uh, I think the simplest way of understanding what that means, from my perspective, uh, is the active manifestation of selflessness. In other words, when we understand the selfless nature of this process, the implication of that, the manifestation of that, is non-separation, because there's no one there to be separate. And so interconnectedness is a word to describe that non-separation, but it's all, it all comes out of the realization of selflessness. 
which is the translation of anatta. So that's how I that's how I see it. I would, I would say, for the purposes of the retreat, not for the purposes of further investigation or study, but for the purpose of retreat, I would note that thought as thinking. <laughs> because and or wait patiently for the book I'm writing on one dharma, <laughs> which addresses some of these questions. They're terrible, uh, for me anyway, they're extremely interesting. However, I don't think particularly this, you would want to spend your time here kind of exploring it because it really will distract the mind from the deepening of practice. Could try that. See, see, right. See, see if that actually works for you. Uh, yeah. And as as I said, different teachers may be even using interconnectedness in different ways. It can also mean the conditionality of things. That everything arises out of conditions. Nothing is existing independently. And so that's the interconnectedness. How does what we see is a tree. Now, where does it come from? It comes from soil and water and air and light and lots of conditions go into the manifestation of any objects of experience. So, that's a conditionality could be another meaning of interconnectedness. But in those moments, and actually, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to mention. Given this particular form of this retreat, with five teachers teaching, my experience over all these years is that it provides really a tremendous richness because we each have our own our own slant on things, you know, and use words perhaps in slightly different ways. There is a potential for confusion. But there's also a potential just for a great richness of Dharma, you know, where you hear and you hear it from one angle and you hear it from another angle and then another angle, and all together, maybe we make one teacher. You know, so what I would do as you hear things, you know, where you feel a certain contraction, or, oh, what does that mean? Or, that doesn't feel quite right, or whatever. Mostly, I would just be with that feeling, be mindful of the contraction or whatever the reaction is, the judgment in the mind, relax behind that, see if you can let that wash through, and just let, let things percolate a bit. You know, sometimes the things that most upset us are what we most need to learn in some way. You know, it's like pushing at an edge or pushing at something we're holding to. So if we can just hold it all 
just in a very big space. And if something feels unsettling, fine. That's, that might actually be good. Now, we don't need to necessarily have an immediate resolution of it. You know, over time, if it still feels like it's niggling, you can, you can speak with one of the teachers about it. But I think it's good. I think that the variety and the richness of approach will actually serve you. Okay, last question. Uh, I think it's fine to stay there. Uh, the measure, the measure, could be how much or how little your mind wanders. If you can be there with the simple knowing that you're breathing in and breathing out, even if there's not a distinct sensation at times, that's fine. But you're aware of the knowing. You know, sometimes in the in the Anapanasati Sutta, the this discourse on, on breathing, uh, the Buddha uh, talks of the method, I know I'm breathing in, I know I'm breathing out. That's simple. So that would be fine. If, on the other hand, you find because of a lack of tangible sensation, the mind really is starting to wander a lot and get lost, and you notice that as a pattern, then you might uh, look for a place in the body where it is more tangible uh, in a steadier way. Okay, uh, the interviews will be starting tomorrow. Did, did John speak about the interview? Anyway, they're generally every other day. Wednesday and Saturdays are usually an off day for interviews, but you should check the board every day because sometimes we re different of the teachers rearrange their schedules. So just give your one time a day looking at the note board. <laughs> check the interview schedule <laughs> for the next day, you know, just so uh, you make sure. I just want to say, kind of <laughs> re-say again, uh, this is fantastic. I can just, just sitting here this morning, it was like...
dispel all of our minds, all of our energies, dropping into Dharma land. You know, and it's it's a gradual settling in, but it's a whole new world. It's a whole other way of understanding. You know, and it's just this tremendously precious and rare opportunity. So I have just tremendous joy in it all. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.